Welcome to another episode of Cherokee Tech Talk, real conversations about technology and teaching from Georgia's Cherokee County School District. Now on with the show. Everybody and welcome to another amazing episode of Cherokee Tech Talk. I'm your host, Susie Lolly, joined by fellow instructional technology specialist and legend, Jim Barry. Hey, Jim. Oh, thank you, Susie. Great to be here. And in case people don't know you, which I find unbelievable, will you just tell us a little bit about your teaching background? I'm um, coming to the end of my 28th year, all in Cherokee County. Um, so I'm... Um, I've had a, a very exciting career in both music and technology. I taught high school uh, band one year and then middle school band for 12 years. And now I'm in my 15th year. Um, and I hope the math is right. Let's see. It's pretty close. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, in technology. So um, it's been quite an adventure, but a real, one of my two favorite things in life, music and technology. And I love when those get to come together for you, as we shared on the last time that we talked on the podcast. But today, we're actually shifting gears. And I thought, I'd like to talk about coding. Who better to ask about coding than Jim Barry? So, Jim, why do you think kids do need to learn how to code? Well, the world is changing rapidly, Susie. And what's going to happen in education is we're going to have to have a, a, a mind shift. We are preparing our students for careers that have not really been invented yet. So we need to train our students to think and to solve problems, and they're going to encounter a lot of surprises. Mm -hmm. So one of the things about coding is you make a lot of mistakes, and, and that's a good thing. It's, it's, you're, you're trying, you try this, it doesn't work, you have to analyze why didn't that work. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where we're going you know, in, the, in the real world. We have so many things that are happening now. There, Porsche is talking about um, developing a flying car, and they feel like they can do it. And you know, these these, these new ideas are going to take new kinds of thinkers. So, coding is a great way to explore new parts of the of the mind and the, and the way kids think and learn. And I love love even from like a game of from a gamification perspective. Um, and we're just going to leave that on there. It's lots of fun. But um, from that perspective, you know, when kids have a very short feedback loop immediately when you run that code, you know if it doesn't work or not. So I think it's cool. Like, even if it's something simple, like I know Jeff Pence showed me a game that was something, I think it's called Cargo Bot, where you're moving boxes in a warehouse. Yes, I love that. It, yeah, mm -hmm. I was. it was too hard for me. I did, like, the first two it levels. <laughs> I know, it's hard. But anyway, you know, the kids, if they're doing the foos or whatever they're doing, they immediately see if their little monster doesn't make it to the end of the path. Or if in Cargo Bot, they drop the box and it crashes to the floor. So... I love that um, this really integrates nicely with education. So what I want you to do is tell us some of your favorite tools for teaching kids to code. Okay, let me start with the little guys. The little kindergarten, first and second grade. Uh, I just love what Apple has done with the iPad. Mm -hmm. the, the array of apps that have been put out there for coding, especially the, and most of them are totally free. Um, and they don't don't even have those teaser uh, advertisements where they say you know <laughs> if you want to get that character you can pay money you know and I'm thinking of things like Scratch Junior one of the most 
awesome uh, uh, activities on iPads for coding for kids of that age. Um, Scratch Junior is one of my favorites, but CargoBot is another good one. Um, and then as you move a little bit older, um, when they're able to um, handle the computer, um, there's also Scratch for the PC. Right. And then, um, so, um, and I have a list. If anybody listening to this podcast is interesting, I have what's called the ultimate list of coding activities, and it's it has dozens and dozens for all types of platforms and age groups. I would love to share that with any listener. Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll put that link to that in our, sh in our show notes. We'll put it in a folder and okay. link to it in our show notes. Contact me, and I will share that list with you. It, yes. it's, it's, it would take me an hour just to, sh to explain what's on the list. But um, one of my all-time favorites, um, when we get into the lower, like let's let's say third grade and into middle school and high school, is definitely Khan Academy. Yeah, Khan Academy has an area for computer science that's unbelievable, and, um, and specifically coding using JavaScript. And every time I've ever taught that to students and explained to them that this is the actual writing of the code right. that people do when they make video games and and, and computer software. Those kids sit up tall and they 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 light up yeah. and it's like and they're writing code and it's just an amazing experience as a as a teacher of yeah. technology it's one of my favorite things. Well, and I like how we're moving them from you know what we do in education a lot of times is called scaffolding like we move from a manageable piece into maybe we take away some of the supports. So certainly from the block-based coding into JavaScript, we're kind of removing the supports as they get older. And I love too that, you know, Hour of Code has become, has made oh, code yeah. so much more prevalent. So along that line with Hour of Code, I want to tell you, you know, not just on that day, but what are some things, some sample coding activities you've done with young learners and then for older students? Okay, so you can start with the, the I would call analog, where you, you can use printables, where you have arrows mm -hmm. that are pointed straight, left, right, back. Yeah. We can lay them on the ground. We can put tape, uh, masking tape on the ground. We can do the human coding, yeah. where the students, you can have a lot of fun with, and we're, we were just talking about doing this with adults today, um, where students hold a little percussion instrument, mm -hmm. and they go by, and they can blindfold one of them, and they go by listening. So if they hear the cowbell, it means take one step forward. They start to get the concept of, you know, designing a series of sounds to coincide with movement and yeah. steps. So they start getting that what coding really is, is just delivering a series of commands. Yeah. Um, and as they get a little bit older, again, um, uh, the idea of um, video game design yeah. is really exciting for the kids when they get about to middle school yeah. and high school. And I'm, you know, I'm getting older now, and I still love video games. So <laughs> any kind of coding that's a track that's attached to any kind of game, you've really got them hooked. And I want to mention a game. It's going to have a crazy name, so don't be frightened. But it's called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, or K-Tane for short. And I had you guys play it. What's so cool is one of you ha is diffusing a device. I'm just going to speak in code here. <laughs> one player is diffusing a device that the other player can't see. The other player has the manual. So it's kind of that analog coding. I need to give you, if the second wire is red, I need you to touch this button three times or whatever. So I like that there are just so many, so many opportunities in the game world, in school, where we're teaching kids to think differently. Think differently. We were told totally. what to think, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Memorize the, this, do this. Yeah, thinking differently, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's just, I'm so excited to, to wait and see what happens over the next couple of decades and what these kids, these elementary kids, when they get into their 20s, 
twenties and thirties, yeah. the kinds of things they're going to be designing are just going to blow our minds. I mean, their their brains are being wired in a completely different way. I mean, we didn't work in groups a lot as kids. Remember? I mean, group work kind of came in, into vogue, you know, when I was older. But by that time, you're like, I don't want to work in a group. But so many things with coding are, you know, your piece of work is running like in our school district. Yes, scripts that people run in certain buildings power these whole other systems that we're operating. Oh, and I have a real world example of groups that just this is recent from my family. My nephew was just hired by Home Depot. He's he got his degrees in computer science from Emory. Yeah. And Home Depot has hired him with a partner. The way the company works is you always code with a partner. Oh, good. And they, and they, they have found that that has been the key to their success mm. because someone's always catching someone's mistake. Yeah. And you see, plus you always need more than one set of eyes on a problem. Yeah. Some people look at things one way. Some people look at it another way. And so they work in teams and they have found that to be a success. I love that. So problem solving, real world, you know, innovation. Groups. I really love mm -hmm. that. So... I'm, we probably hear teachers who are kind of afraid. They're like, Jim, I don't know how to code. Like, I'll be honest, when you mentioned JavaScript, I'm like, eh. Yeah. I know what JavaScript looks like. I don't know how to do anything with it, so I need to take Khan Academy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what would you say to teachers who were like me and they're like, I'm not an expert in code? How, you know, to allay yeah. their fears? I would, I would point them to Khan Academy because you can create an account for free. Okay. And as you, um, as you, if you click subjects in the top left area of the main uh, Khan Academy website, you'll see a catalog of subjects. Mm -hmm. And one of them is computer science, another one's programming. And you'll find when you get to programming that it, they will take you step by step through a course and it will remember where you left off. Oh, cool. And um, there's this little robot that kind of comes on the screen as you're coding. Whenever you make a mistake, it's kind of like this little oops guy comes out and he says, Oops, it looks like you might have forgotten a semicolon. Oh, cool. Like semicolons are a big deal in, co yeah. in coding because they mean go. Oh. The semicolon in coding is it's a huge thing. Oh, it's like okay. that's like the button. <laughs> and so um, and it's funny because when you teach kids, they're like they've never had a reason to press the semicolon. Right. And now it's the most important. Some of line. my adults, I don't think know what a semicolon is. <laughs> yes, either, so. right, right. So yeah, you can an adult who wanted to learn coding on their own yeah. could definitely use Khan Academy and just follow the the course yeah. as they proceed. I, I feel like for any of us that desire to learn in any way, there is no excuse. There is no you excuse. Know, we can all elevate ourselves at any moment so. oh and then YouTube videos yes I mean you can learn anything <laughs> it's the television my today. son learned sweet child of mine on guitar through a YouTube video yeah so. the world is our oyster truly so you know I want to end with a question that I feel like is going to come up for everybody I'm not a computer science teacher I don't have time to teach code and hopefully you guys that are listening don't really make that voice that was a terrible voice <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, you know, they might think this is just one more thing. They don't have time to teach it. But can you think of any ways where programming, coding, hour of code could relate to real life, other subjects that are not computer programming? Well, let me think a minute. Um, I have a feeling that someone that, that really gets into the coding activities and the thinking of coding, because you're, it's, it's all about solving problems, I could relate that to, to math. Yeah, I think I think it would sharpen their math skills. Yeah, the more they got involved with coding at a young age, mm -hmm. um, science definitely. Mm -hmm. um, coding is it's like a cousin of science because right. science is about having a theory and proving it. Right, and so um, I would think that one would help the other. Yeah, and then. Um, 
you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to draw direct correlations to, to like reading and language right. arts. But however, there's a lot of new language that needs to be learned yeah. when you're doing. So you're expanding. It's a syntax. It's a, it's a new it's a new way of speaking. Yes. So it's a new language. So therefore, you are expanding that world of language arts. Yeah. So yeah, it does have ties into to a lot of other academic subjects. Well, and I saw today one of our fellow ITS um, had a little frog video up on the board that his son had made, and he made it. Uh, it was showing a frog getting attacked by a shark. It was very cute. <laughs> his oh, yeah, little scratch. animations, his little sprites, you know, were sticking out. But what's so cool is he was able to make this whole movie. He programmed programmed it in, I guess, Scratch. scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, if they did need to use this as a presentation tool, I know you're thinking that might be too much class time, but the kids who get passionate about this, they won't just be working on it in class. You might see a kid who normally does not give a rip about what's going on in language arts or whatever, but if you give them an opportunity to say, hey, I need you to present such and such content, the method is up to you. Yes. Wouldn't it be cool for Scratch to be an op- option saw, for something like that? I was teaching at a fourth grade AIM class at Bascom, mm-hmm. and one particular fourth grade boy became obsessed with Scratch. And like <laughs> you said, it didn't end in the classroom. He couldn't wait to get home. And he started working and going to YouTube videos and learning and, and uh, getting onto forums yes. and typing questions and reading <laughs> answers in the forums awesome. online. He would post questions. I can't figure out how to make that spaceship go backward with the flame going <laughs> in a swirl. And then people were talking to him. And I looked at his code. I never could have done it. This fourth grader blew me away. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's something about a passion project or a genius hour or just any time that any of us are set free. Like Jim, it's with you it's music. It's music. Watching you on the Surface tablet with that one, the staff pad app. Oh yeah. You just go to town on that. You know, and I have that that musical love too. So when we're passionate about something, we'll spend hours doing it. You totally. know, so it's not about I don't think the teacher finding time. It's can the teacher introduce the idea? And then let them do what they will with it. Like maybe some kids will stop at Hour of Code or, you know, just that simple thing. But some kids, like you said, it's free at home. Yeah. They can access it. And you find what you love. It's not really like not really like work anymore. Absolutely. So, Jim, if we want to get in touch with you, because you're such a fascinating teacher. I know everybody loved the, around the district says, Jim Barry. <laughs> so, Jim Barry, how can we get in touch with you on Twitter if anybody wants more information? That's right. My name is Jim Barry. It's all <laughs> one word. Jim Barry. Um, but um, I am at Jim Berry Tech, J I M B E R R Y T E C H, on Twitter. And then you can also find me on Cherokee County um, in the technology department or jim.berry at cherokee.k12.ga.us. Longest email in the world. <laughs> and I didn't have to take a breath in the middle of it. <laughs> Thanks, Jim, for being on the show. We Thanks appreciate for having it. me, Susie. Did you enjoy the show? Well, there's more where that came from. We have over 20 episodes now posted on your favorite podcast app. And here's where you can help us to reach even a wider audience. If you love the show, especially a specific episode, will you please go leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app? We really appreciate it.